We're in the book of Malachi. It's not Malachi, it's Malachi. It's the last book in the Old Testament, four chapters long. So if you want to read a book of the Bible and feel good, this is a great one. And uh, we already talked about the first few verses two weeks ago. And then last week, wasn't it awesome to hear from Dave and Karen Eubank and all that God is doing through them all over the world? There's no one like them. In our community group, we talked about how to foster a sense of mission with our kids in the same way that Dave and Karen have done that with their kids. Uh, beautiful uh, picture of a family on fire for Jesus, living life with one another. And so it was great to hear from them. Uh, I talked to Dave afterwards. He was uh, felt loved and, and cared for, so way to go on making them feel welcome. Again, this week, we're going to continue in our uh series called The Father's Heart based on the book of Malachi. So Malachi was written in 430 BC. Again, the last book in the Old Testament and things were not well. So there was a lot that was uncomfortable. There was a lot of disappointment. There was a lot of distress uh, in the people, uh, in, in the external circumstances of the people of God. And, and maybe you resonate with that. Maybe right now you're, you're like, man, so cool that everything is well when I come here on Sunday morning, but man, Monday through Saturday is hard. Maybe there are things going on in your life where you feel disappointment, you feel distressed, maybe even depressed, you feel oppressed by these external circumstances. That's how they felt in 430 BC. See, uh, the story of the Bible is one where God chooses this one family called the Israelites, and, and the apex of them was when they became a kingdom under King David. And, and then what happened was the disobedience became so prevalent that then uh, they, they actually warred against one another, and there was civil war. The kingdom split into two, and then uh, they actually were taken away from their land, so they were displaced. They were in exile, and, and Malachi happens when the people come back to the promised land, the people of God come back, and they still see that things are not well. There's things going on. And through this book, what we see is the Father's heart revealed. We've already gone through some difficult passages. We'll read some more difficult passages in the Bible this morning. And I want to encourage us, when we face difficult passages in the Bible, not to just read on until we find something that's nice to hear, but let's lean in into these passages, because when we do that, again, the Father's heart is revealed. So we're looking at God as the good Father. Here are the first two verses in the book of Malachi. Prophecy, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. So from the get-go, God says to the prophet Malachi, I love you. And then the rest of the book is like tough love from a good dad that is both love and truth. It's grace and truth. He says, hey, I love you, but what you're doing is not okay. <laughs> I love you, but you got to change what you're doing. <laughs> you got to change your behavior. That's this father's heart. Man, aren't you glad that God doesn't shy away from confronting us when we mess up? Uh, maybe you had a dad or a mom in your life when they, they just spoke the truth when you needed it the most. It wasn't what you wanted to hear, but it's what you needed to hear. That's good parenting, and that's a reflection of the father's heart who loves us, who wants us to succeed, and sometimes that means hearing some truth that may look like tough love. We'll continue 
reading here again, 430 BC, so context, 430 BC, they're back in the promised land, things are not good, and uh, specifically today, we're going to read about problems with the leadership, with the priests, in this sacrificial system back in the Old Testament, the way that people got right before God is they presented these animals, and then these animals would be slaughtered, and then that blood actually covered over the sins, uh, atoned for the sins of the people. So in order for, for justice to happen, for reconciliation to happen, there had to be a sacrifice. And, and what was happening is that they took this for granted, and they just started going through the motions and the significance of the sacrifice and the, the intentionality in which they were bringing these animals for sacrifices uh, was going down. And again, the priests knew this because every sacrifice goes through the priests. And so God, through Malachi, calls out the priest. I want to read these verses 6 through 14 of chapter 1. And then I want to look at Things that we do wrong, like we're going to talk about the things that the people of God do wrong, we still do wrong here today, but, but I, I want to talk this morning more about what God has done right when we have fallen short. Here we go. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. So God on the front end, I mean, he's disappointed. He, he's upset that he's not being honored. He's not being respected. It is you, priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your Governor, would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? So the sacrificial system, you had to give God your best. And they were giving God their leftovers. They weren't giving, they're trying to go on the side and say, I'm just going to give God hope he doesn't notice. Man, God sees it all. Verse 9, now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will not accept, I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying that the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am great. I'm a great king, says the Lord Almighty. And my name is to be feared among the nations. Did he, you know, mince any words? Did, did, you know, was his message not clear? <laughs> Again, God speaks clearly, and this is all about what the people of God were doing wrong. And so I can talk about that today. I can talk about ways that we fall 
short. But here's what I want to do instead. See, I think that they were falling short, that they were not doing for God because they were not receiving from God first. They had forgotten what God had done for them time and time again. And it's the same thing with us. When we do for God more than we receive from God, there comes a time where we hit a stone wall and we just start going through the motions. We just start playing church. We just start doing the things that we know we should do as Christians, but we forget why we're doing it. We're not doing it to earn God's love. There's no way that we can do that. We're doing it because God loved us first. We're doing it because of what he has already done for us. And that's what I want to talk about. See, uh, we all fall short. Last night, we, uh, bedtime was go- coming, and the Astros were in like the bajillionth inning. And uh, so it was time for my kids to go to bed. And my daughters knew that, you know, they knew the way to go around me and, and go around bedtime. Uh, my eldest said, hey, Dad, why don't you tell me a Bible verse, and I'll go look it up in my Bible. And I said, well, that's a great idea. <laughs> Whew, she knows how to get Daddy's attention. So I said, hey, go, go look up Exodus 20, chapter uh, twenty twelve. So she went on and, you know, my seven-year-old also got her Bible and she started looking and in Exodus 20, she goes, wait a minute, honor your father and mother and all will go well with you. And I said, that's right. Go to bed. <laughs> it's bedtime. <laughs> then she kept on reading. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not covet your neighbor's house, wife, all, all the things. Do not lie. And, and, and we started talking about the Ten Commandments and then they really got past bedtime And we had a moment where they shifted from talking about people that did those things after I asked them, hey, don't you do some of these things? And both of them looked at me and said, yeah. I said, yeah, and I I do too. See, we, we all fall short. It's humanity's issue that there is no way that we can earn God's Love in Isaiah chapter 64, Isaiah is saying this very same thing. He's saying we're all infected and impure with sin. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Uh, When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and we fall and our sin sweeps us away like the wind. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. So again, I can talk about the way that we still come up short, same way that they were falling short in the time of Malachi. But see, something else happened. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. 400 years later, this man in Jesus entered the scene and he became the perfect sacrifice. He was the only one that lived a perfect life so that he could atone. He can cover his blood shed on, on the cross can cover the sins of all humanity once and for all. And because of that good news, then now we can have relationship with our creator. God, we can actually approach him with confidence. We can talk to him. We can worship him. We know that he is pleased with us. Even when we are at our worst, if we are in Christ Jesus, if we believe that he truly is who he says he is. And so that's what I want to 
talk about. I want to talk about, instead of what we do wrong, I want to talk about what God's done right through this passage. Because there's five things that God shows us in this passage of how Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. And as we go through these five things, I want to ask you a question for you to ask within yourself. Take, take it with you as you go home. Think about it. And that's this. Am I doing more for God or am I receiving more from God? In this season of your life, are, are, are your dues outweighing receiving from the Lord? What is receiving look like? Good question. When I grew up, uh, I had this construct of faith where God was real and my sin was also real. And so I thought God was really holy and all the way over there. And I thought that if I did more good things than bad things during the day, that God would be semi-pleased with me. I didn't believe that he really would love me, but I thought he was okay. What did I do? I put God's love on my performance, right? God's love was based on whether I was doing good or not that day. And, and the issue is, is that we will never be, <laughs> we will never be good enough. And so receiving from God is accepting that we are his sons and we are his daughters, period, because of Jesus. That's it. It's just because of Jesus. See, Romans 12 says this, that brothers and sisters, I urge you, Paul writing, uh, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So keeping your eyes focused on God's mercy, offer your bodies, not an animal now. We're not presenting a physical uh, sacrifice. We're presenting our whole selves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we are not looking only on what we are doing this morning. I really want us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus in view of God's mercy. The NLT says it this way. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Yeah, let's go to the NLT. Uh, next slide, please. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable because of, not in order to. Does that make sense? We love because he first loved us in this season of life. Are you doing more from God or are you doing are, are, you, are, you, are you doing more for God or are you receiving more from God? Every faith tradition has to do with our performance. If you look at Islam, if you look at Hinduism, even Buddhism, enlightenment comes based on our actions, our ability not to do things, right? And, and Christianity is the only faith where the focus is not what humanity has done, but the focus is on what the creator has done for humanity. And if we miss that, we will fall into the same trap that was happening in the people of God in the time of Malachi, where they were just going through the motions. They were just playing this religious game instead of being on fire for the Lord. So let's talk about these fives. Again, we're going to be asking this question. Am I doing more for God or receiving more from God? In verse 8, uh, you sacrifice lame or diseased animals. Is that not wrong? So here's what Jesus did for us. The people uh, weren't able to bring a, a worthy sacrifice. They were giving God their leftovers. Praise be to God that God did not give us his leftovers. He gave us his one and only son who was the lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice, 
the Lamb of God. In the Gospel of John, the first time that someone talks to Jesus, it's his cousin John the Baptist. He sees Jesus coming right before he baptizes Jesus, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus has done something for us that we cannot do for us. Hebrews 10, 10 through 14 says this, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So again, not a body of an animal, not because of our own good works, but because of the body of Jesus Christ. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest had offered for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he, Jesus, sat down at the right hand of God. So I wonder what it would look like for us to receive that God is the Lamb of God. Think about your sin. Think about the ways that you have fallen short. Uh, if you went to encounter, you, you just did this. You, you looked at how awesome God's love is and personally receive that God sent his son Jesus as a perfect sacrifice because he was the lamb of God. Here's the second one. Jesus, he is our servant king. So he left his throne to become the lamb, even though he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In verse eight of Malachi one, uh, he writes, try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord almighty? So what he's telling the people is, hey, how are you treating your politicians, those people that are in charge. How are you treating, how much time are you investing in political causes and political candidates? Do they match up with how you're treating God? Because oftentimes we can get carried away with the things of this world, which are very important. We got an election in a couple of weeks. We should vote as a people of God. We need to know who we're voting for. We need to vote for God's causes, all of that good stuff. Here's the bottom line though. He's the king of kings. <laughs> His kingdom is way beyond this earthly kingdom. Are we, are we prioritizing that? Are we pursuing him? Are we receiving from the servant king more than we are all of these other causes? Matthew chapter 20, Jesus' two best friends, James and John, Peter too, but James and John were brothers. They were called the sons of Zebedee. And mom comes to Jesus and says, hey, this is a total mom move right here. Uh, says, hey, Jesus, when you inherit the kingdom, when you bring the kingdom down, can my boys be at your right and to your left? Can they be like VPs, you know? And I, I don't know what John, I mean, they're called the sons of thunder. So these guys were like intense and powerful, but this really flips them. You know, mom coming up, hey, Jesus, I love my boys. Can you make sure that my boys are, you know, up there with you? And Jesus calls them together in verse 25 and says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority of them. What is he saying? He's saying this is the way that the world works. The leaders have privilege. The leaders lord over. They control things. That's their job, right? That's how it should be. That's the way that this world works. But what does he say in verse 26? Not so with you. In my kingdom, he's saying, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, to be the perfect sacrifice, his life as a ransom for many. What would it look like to receive 
what God has done for you as a servant king. Think about that, that the king of kings came down his throne for you, knows you and me by name, knows all the things that we've done, and he still chooses to love us and to think about us. What would it look like to receive that this week? We just uh, sang the song, teach us to serve. As it is in your kingdom, let it be in your church. In order to do that, we first need to receive that personally. Jesus, our servant king. The third is that Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is our mediator. Mediator is one that, that uh, goes between two advocates and, and tries to bring reconciliation or tries to bring to tension, intention, uh, and resolve that tension to come to a Solution in verse 9 of Malachi 1, now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. So he's saying, hey, uh, try to mediate with God. Well, without Jesus, there's no way that we can be made right with God. Again, there's no way that our good deeds can outweigh the bad deeds. If we have one bad deed, we're disqualified. And so he's saying you need a mediator. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6, it's cool because it ties into this political thing that I just talked about. I urge you, Paul talking to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6, first of all, to pray for all people. So he's saying, be a mediator. Uh, uh, intercede on their behalf. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Are we praying for our leaders, even those that we don't agree with? Because that's what this is telling us to do. We're, we're called to be mediators here on earth, but we're called to be mediators for this reason. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right Time. He's the perfect sacrifice because he was our meteor. He wants us to mediate for others because Jesus is our mediator. Many years ago, my wife and I decided to uh, foster kids. And I'll never forget when our first uh, little boy came into our house, eight months old, cute, 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 cute. And he started walking when he was with us. And man, he, uh, we just loved, oh, mm, mm. He was so sweet. Well, we went to mediation because uh, the way, the, the end goal of being a foster parent is you want that child to reunify with the family. That's why it's so hard because you fall in love, but then you got to remember the end goal that you want mediation to happen. And so we went to mediation and there was this one guy who came in you know, our room and went to the other room and back and forth and back and forth. And the resolve, the way that that case resolved was without the, a court case, uh, that child went back to be with their family now. Taylor and I were absolutely devastated. We loved that boy for those 10 or so months and absolutely fell in love with him. And I had such a hard time during that season, but it was this fourth point that helped me get through that. See, Jesus is our rescuer. He is the one that came to rescue us. And, and for me in that season, I was trying, I was doing so much for him that I actually believed the lie 
that if he wasn't with us, that he wouldn't do well in life because I knew the circumstances that he was walking back into. Here's the truth. There's only one savior. There's only one that can actually rescue us from our depravity, from our sin, and that's Jesus. And so then I switched my role to becoming a mediator, to praying for him, that one day through someone else, he would come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior, because again, he is the only one that can rescue us from our sin. He's the only one that can rescue us from the internal turmoil that we have as we go through the ups and lows of life. Verse 10 in Malachi 1 says, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and will accept no offering from your hands. So these people, I mean, temple doors, God wants to shut them. They're lost. There's no one to, there's no way to God. They need a savior. They need a rescuer. Again, 400 years later, through the same people group, we get Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, who was the perfect sacrifice. Here's what Romans 3 says. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Again, the perfect sacrifice. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. That little passage helps us think about all the hard stuff in the Old Testament. We got to read the whole storyline of Scripture because in Jesus, everyone, uh, salvation is now open to every single person, every country, every people group. Uh, uh, where was I? For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. He makes sinners right in his sight when they do a lot of good things. No, when they believe, when they believe in the rescuer, Jesus. Seven times in Malachi, we see the word, the Lord Almighty, says the Lord Almighty, says the Lord Almighty. And that's my last point. Jesus is our perfect sacrifice because he's the Lord Almighty. The NIV translates that as almighty. Other translations translate that as the Lord of hosts. Hosts just means army. And, and so he's the Lord of heaven's armies. <laughs> Do you think that means he's powerful? Do you think that means he's in control? Do you think that means that he is way, way, way in front of our negative and distressful and disappointing circumstances? Absolutely he is. He's almighty. He's the Lord of heaven's armies. He says this in verse 11, my name will be great among the nations where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. He is prophesying that there will be a day where we will hear from Morris and Ida from Uganda talking about Jesus is doing 
in Uganda and in Kenya and in Tanzania, that we would hear from Dave Eubank and hear about what the church is doing in Sudan and in Syria and Iraq and in Burma, that we would share what God is doing here in Wimberley, Texas and in San Marcos and in Kyle and in Butte and Austin and in the state of Texas and the United States of America. God is almighty. And if we receive his power, if we receive that knowledge, if we meditate on that and sit on that, you better be sure that our faith will increase. You better be sure that we will start doing because of, not in order to Jesus, the Lord Almighty. There's a famous scene in the life of Jesus and worship team, I'm closing so you guys can come back up. Jesus is upset because in this temple where the sacrificial system, again, 400 years after Malachi, was still operable in the people of God, and it wasn't that, Jesus wasn't upset that they were sacrificing animals. Jesus was upset because they had confused the temple with the marketplace. There was a lot of profit going on. There was, there was this defiling of what God said was holy. And so what did Jesus do? You know, he overturned the tables, brought the whip, did this, did that. He says this in Mark eleven seventeen. And as he taught him, he said, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus now is almighty through the entire world. In this house, if you look back, you'll see our flags of our partner churches that we get to pray for on a consistent basis. We want, we want to keep our eyes in view of God's mercy. We want to look at the Lord almighty. Here are the other points. And, and again, I want us to ask ourselves, are we doing more for God or are we receiving more from God? He's a perfect sacrifice because he was a lamb of God. He's a servant king. He's a mediator, the rescuer, and the Lord almighty. And I want to close with 2 Corinthians 5, 21, which says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I hope you can receive that this morning, wherever you are in your faith journey. Would you stand as we close in prayer? Lord, I thank you that there is nothing that we can do to earn your love. It's a free gift of grace because of what you have done for us, Jesus. We do not want to dilute what you did for us, Jesus. You paid for every sin, little or big. There's no record in your mind, Lord. You forgave us all. And today we say thank you. Today we want to receive that personally. And if you have never said yes to Jesus as, as your Lord and Savior, what a beautiful day to do that. We're celebrating baptisms after this gathering, which, which is that next step after we make a declaration of faith. I just encourage you, all God is looking for is that we would confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. You can say something like this right there where you are. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you lived a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice that my sins deserve. I thank you for the promise of everlasting life. I receive that promise today in Jesus' name. I encourage you to tell somebody today, you can come up here, tell me, tell somebody that you came with. Let's not walk this road alone. And then for everybody else in the house here on the front, we call this the altar. I would encourage you if, you, if you feel led to come and present yourself as a living 
sacrifice to God. Whatever that may look like for you, just come and kneel and pray and receive from God. So we thank you, Jesus, for being just that perfect sacrifice. All of this.